Rondo's the sixth startup that I've done. The first one was building high-performance computers. Uh, I built a semiconductor startup. I built an engineering company. But in 2005, I uh, started working on what is it that I could do or that we could do as a group that could cause really large amounts of private capital to flow into transforming our energy infrastructure because arguably it is the most important thing that everybody in the world ought to be working on right now. What we do right now has a huge impact on our children, our grandchildren, their grandchildren, and we have the tools, we have technologies that can go to scale. Um, in 2005, I wound up putting together a solar company that rapidly went to scale, was bought by a French energy company. Um, I briefly was a VC looking at carbon removal technologies, but I was skeptical, and I still am, that we're going to see huge amounts of private capital flowing into those technologies soon enough, and they all represent a permanent burden on our children and our grandchildren. That is, permanent world where cost of doing business is higher because we're paying to remove carbon. And there are these technologies that are cheaper than business as usual. In 2009, I was part of the founding team of another solar company that was focused on, again, how do we get big private capital? And we focused on industrial heat. I didn't know it back then, but industrial Industrial energy is the world's largest portion of energy use, and industrial heat alone is about a quarter of all the world's use of energy, whether making steel or cement or baby food, and about a quarter of all world CO2 emissions. And it's a sector that people hadn't previously found ways to tackle because unlike stuff in transportation or electricity where we've had a lot of government policy, a lot of early actors. This is a sector where energy prices are a huge portion of the cost of a ton of cement or a ton of steel. It's very difficult to create policies that won't disrupt the economy. And it's gotta be cheap. Um, that company I put together with colleagues in 2009, we delivered more than half of all the solar industrial heat that's running worldwide right now. Um, and that was using concentrating solar, mirrors and targets. During that whole time, we were looking over our shoulder at like, what are the wind guys doing? What are the solar PV guys doing? Where are their costs of energy going? And the answer was they came down by 90% in a decade. And basically we recognized, putting Rondo together, that we're entering this era where intermittent wind and solar electricity are cheaper than any form of energy that humans have ever known. They got this problem, they're intermittent. If we wanna use them to power steel mills or factories that make baby food or any industrial process, we've got to have an energy storage system that can convert it to continuous heat. And we'd been working on that problem for some of us for 15 years previously, because we'd been building these solar systems that also needed heat storage so clean sheet of paper, okay, what are the possibilities? And I think as you know, if you, you've seen some stuff about Rondo, we had a breakthrough that let us do something boring. That is, we, we found a way to reuse two technologies that have been in each in use for more than a hundred years. 
the same heaters that are in your toaster and the same bricks that every steel mill uses for heat storage and put them together in this new way and go after solving that problem fast and at scale. Interesting how some of these old uh, technologies become new again uh, once we look at them, right? Um, yeah. The, uh, do you feel like there's enough investment um, at this point uh, where you're starting to see the trend go in the right direction with some of these, you said, uh, wind, solar, water, that type of thing? I mean, there's a lot of news right now of, of new investment. Do you think it's, it's uh, sufficient? Do you think it's going to get to be sufficient? Like, where would you say it's at right now? That's a great multi-part question. For sure, it's necessary. For sure, what we're doing right now is not sufficient, right? For sure, you know, the we're not on a wartime footing. We are acting as if we've got plenty of time when we don't, right? Fundamentally, every look at what's the rate at which the world is building renewables? What's the rate at which we're transforming all parts of the energy system? We need to kick it up by about a factor of four to have a shot at, you know, avoiding the catastrophic outcomes that have been the, the bad scenarios. We're already <laughs> headed for bad. The question is how bad. And um, on the other hand, kicking it up by a factor of four, but, you know, there's nothing actually stopping us from doing that. There are a ton of obstacles, everything from permitting, how we build electricity transmission, all, all kinds of things. Every single one of those is solvable. Where there's a will, there's a way. The thing that we're doing at Rondo is eliminating this one of those fundamental obstacles for an entirely new area of renewable energy. As I mentioned, industrial heat is this giant thing. Today, uh, the world has about one thousand meg 1000 gigawatts of wind in the world it's about 1000 gigawatts of solar repowering industrial heat that's in use right now the coal oil and natural gas it's about 9000 gigawatts that we need to build now we're not going to do it all at once and we're not going to do any of it unless it's cheaper than fuels today and the great news is that around the world from the middle east to europe to the united all kinds of places the united states south africa australia Intermittent wind and solar are now cheaper than just burning fuel. So if a storage technology existed that could meet cost, safety, temperature, efficiency, we could start building giant projects that repower our factories and refineries and mines, not need to connect those projects to the electricity grid because they're serving a local energy use. And we could go a lot faster. And that's what Rondo is about, is if you want to go fast, what you're doing sort of kind of better be boring. You better not need 10 years to prove the durability of your battery chemistry or something, right? Um, if you want to start spending billions and tens and hundreds of billions, you better be sure you're on firm footing and using 200-year-old materials really helps that. Yeah. It, Sorry, it's that's a long answer to your question. No, no, no. I, it's no, we're not going fast enough. Yes, <laughs> we can go fast enough. Yeah. And there is absolutely intention and renewed intention on that front, right? What's happening yeah. in Europe has made it clear 
that domestic renewable energy is not just climate security, it's domestic energy security, economic security. So some of the barriers are being, they're working on removing them. Last year in Sweden, only 22% of the wind farms that were proposed were permitted. Last week, the EU passed new legislation to expedite renewable energy permitting. All right, there are a series of barriers like that. You know, as again, if we get, if we focus on it, these are things that that we absolutely can accomplish, and, and we're thrilled to be building this one piece that opens up these giant new opportunities and solves a problem people didn't think could be solved. Yeah. Well, I smiled a little bit when you said you had a breakthrough on a boring problem because I think a lot of people misperceive innovation as this like sexy thing. And uh, I think that some of the best innovations aren't sexy at all. Actually, they're it's dirty work and, and it's something that doesn't get the headlines necessarily. But that's where a lot of the, the meaningful stuff actually happens is is below the headlines, um, which is something that we like to do with this series is like shine a light on something that is actually going to be substantially important to the world, even if it's not catching all the press, uh, that's something else. And it, to me, I think that's one of the reasons why maybe the, the capital wasn't flowing in previously. And you know this far better than I do, but my my take on it was, you know, even though ener- some people would say energy is the only currency we truly have, it's also capital intensive, right? So whenever you see these software companies that are shooting to the moon and they're asset light, uh, everybody with a few dollars wants to throw money and see if they can hit, you know, hit gold on that front. But then here you have this real problem that needs to have, that needs investment that I would guess is maybe not as risky, but it's definitely going to be capital intensive. And it didn't, it was star for capital. And only now is it starting to kind of roll around. Um, that's my take on it, but I haven't talked to people as informed as you on if, if they agree with that or if maybe you have a more nuanced view on it than I do. Well, every, I have to agree with everything you just said in that, but look, there are different kinds of capital that are seeking different kinds of return. Sure. And yeah, the wonderful thing about renewable energy is, you know, you, we build a solar farm, it's financed on a 20 year return. And it, these days they last for 40 years we're creating kind of permanent energy wealth for our descendants by building that infrastructure. Just like the folks who built the interstate highway system in the 1960s, you know, left us enormous gifts that transformed our our society. What we're doing in building renewable energy infrastructure is solving this giant problem and creating permanent economic growth and wealth. but those are long-term returns. Those are not, you know, those are things that deliver economic returns over decades, not over months. Um, so it's a different class of investment. And one of the matters is, as I said earlier, that the decisions about infrastructure get made slowly. They don't generally happen overnight. And there has been progress in the cost of renewable energy at a rate that we just never, you don't see costs building buildings or steel mills or other infrastructure, they don't come down, right? And people are used to looking at, you know, you, you do a study and you look at it for three years and you decide to do the investment or not. Wind and solar, 
the fundamental cost of energy has come down substantially since you did that study. And it can kind of take time for investors to recognize like where we are right now. Now it is true facing electricity grids, facing EV infrastructure. There are investors who are saying, we're gonna focus on this. We're gonna know about this. Um, there's not a lot of that yet in this industrial heat sector. And that's partly because Again, unless it was cheaper, there wasn't really a financial incentive. There wasn't a market for people to invest in. And everything I'm talking about five years ago is stupid. Like electricity was way too expensive. And it's just recently that we've entered this era. And so it'll take time for some of the market to catch up. But one of the matters that it's boring, you, you buy an electric car, everybody sees it, right? Uh, you know, but a single refinery project that we're working on in one of the European countries, a single project saves twice as much CO2 as all the electric cars in the country. You know, uh, just repowering the furnaces and boilers that are here in the state of California, where I'm speaking to you from, five times more CO2 than all the electric cars in the United States. But again, have you ever visited one of the, the boilers or the furnaces at a steel mill that made the steel in your microphone or that like, no, it, it, that's, that's kind of the challenge. It's not really it's invisible in understanding, but, but we actually, right now, we do finally have tools that'll make it profitable to drive this transition. And we need to put this sector on the same kind of footing because Again, if if you if one refinery project does accomplishes twice as much CO two reduction as all the electric cars in the country, like focus on a few of those, you can put a lot of points on the scoreboard quickly, and do it profitably. So uh, we're we're kind of impatient here. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's good. We want to a person in your space. We want to have a little level of impatience. That's a, probably a good thing. <laughs> There, John, there's some people listening in who probably don't know what it, the term like heat battery means. Um, how do you explain Rondo to people? Maybe if you're talking to somebody who's outside the industry, how would you explain Rondo to them? Yeah, okay. Well, so you got a factory making baby food. How does it work, right? There are big steam boilers that distribute steam all around the factory that get used in the cookers and the sterilizers and everything, right? And that steam is like 90% of all the energy that's used by that factory, right? That in a cement plant, it's hot air, whatever. But so a Rondo unit, the Rondo heat battery is designed to directly replace that boiler without touching the factory, without doing anything else. But instead of sitting there burning fossil fuel to boil the water, all right, we're gonna use electricity. Now you could go out and buy an electric boiler and there are a ton of those and they're great, but you know, electricity everywhere is more expensive than the fuel it's made from because power stations are, they can only deliver at most about half the energy that was in the fuel as electricity. But you can have intermittent electricity now from a wind farm or a solar farm at way below the cost of burning natural gas in that boiler. Your problem is you need heat all the time. You can't just have heat, you know, when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. And a heat battery it does that. That is a heat battery captures electricity 
when it's available and then delivers heat continuously in exactly the way that the factory needs it. And there are a lot of ways of doing that. It, the, and in, in fact, the CEO of one of the big solar developers recently said, this is an emerging inevitable trillion dollar market. We agree. Um, there are a lot of people using things like rocks or sand or liquid, salt, other things. Again, in our case, the heat battery that we're building is based on heat storage units that are in use at every blast furnace in the world using a particular kind of brick. You're in Missouri, not too far from you. There, uh, Most of the steel mill brick in the country came from quarries right near you, a particular kind of clay. You throw it in a kiln, boom, you have this kind of brick. Bricks are made from dirt. Um, and it's a great material if you want millions and billions of tons of it. It's made everywhere on earth. It's a, you know, there aren't any critical limits. And by heating it to about 1200 to 1500 degrees C, two, 3000 degrees Fahrenheit, stores a lot of energy. You heat it up, it's glowing bright yellow. It's storing actually as much per pound as a Tesla battery pack while costing about 3% as much. Um, so uh, that's what we're doing. We're building the heat batteries that use the same heating element materials that are in your toaster or your hairdryer, the same brick materials that are in use at industrial scale and doing that back to the beginning to run a simple boring boiler that's powering the factory or the refinery from intermittent power. So yeah. not it's, you know, people talk about electrify everything is the answer to decarbonizing. That's true, but how we electrify is the challenge, right? If we are putting out a lot of stuff that needs continuous electric power, it means we have to build a lot more power stations. We've got a lot of challenges. This new class where, no, 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 this thing is only taking power when the wind is blowing. It's actually an asset in the grid. It's not a load in the grid. Um, and one of the guys at one of the management firm and consulting firm says, this is a new tool in the toolbox. Your biggest problem is for people to know that this tool exists. So yep. he's right. Thank you for talking to me about it. Because <laughs> what we're here for. That's, you're part that's of the solution. That's our piece in this. We're not smart enough to do the right, innovation, right. but we know how people think enough to know that someone's going to have to be the messenger for this type of stuff. That kind of leads to the next question. When you're talking with some of these uh, potential partners where you see like, oh, we could really help them out here. What does that conversation look like? Like what what sparks up that conversation? Is it is it I'm sure it's a variety of things because, you know, if you if you look on the Rondo website, there's all these different kind of like selling propositions and there's several of them. Right. But I'm wondering which ones are most appealing or which are the ones that kind of spark up the first conversations? Thank you. It's a great question. And the answer varies a little bit regionally and by industry. I've been working in this field a long time on zero carbon industrial energy. And even just from five years ago, there is a different level of, we need to do this now. We need not just to talk about being zero or net zero by 2050. So 
if, if we're net zero by 2050, I'm not the guy who has to solve the problem. It's the guy after me or the guy after him that has to solve the problem. But if we're net zero by 2030, I've got to solve this problem, right? It takes years to transform. And we're seeing more and more companies deciding that we are going to do our part. We are going to drive corporate level decarbonization. And again, for industrials, the vast majority of their actual emissions is the fuel they use to drive their processes. And the fact, so there are a ton of folks who are actively looking for solutions. And this new class using intermittent electricity and storing it at high efficiency cheaply, again, it's an emerging thing. And we're having different conversations today with those folks than I ever had over the previous 15 years. Now, that's also partly because what Rondo's doing is boring. It's a really simple drop-in. And so some of those conversations are driven by, you know, we have decided we will do this. How? This is the most attractive option. Others, and I'm going to mention Europe in particular, Look, there are existential challenges right now about fossil fuel energy supply. And, you know, Europe is struggling with, okay, how fast do we build new import facilities for natural gas? How fast can we transform off natural gas? And as I said earlier, domestic renewable energy is national security. That's a new, there's a new level of understanding and we are a critical enabler. Industrial heat is the single largest portion of natural gas use in Europe and the UK. Again, it's kind of invisible, but residential, commercial, whatever, it's the single largest piece. And okay, here's a new tool to help with accelerating the transformation of that piece. Um, so in a lot of the, the businesses that we're going after, the how often do people change their steel mill, their cement plant, their, you know, it, it's a, usually a very slow cycle. People, you know, these facilities last for decades. But from my standpoint, the good news is, no, people are out there looking for solutions. And we've tried to make what we're doing, when I say boring, drop into their existing facility rather than requiring them to adopt some new manufacturing process or change out all the equipment. And it turns out there's a big portion of the problem that we can contribute to doing exactly that. Just change the fuel from, instead of buying gas or oil, now you're buying intermittent electricity. And look, the, the great thing on that side, wind and solar development in the United States have been slowing down because of grid congestion. That's true kind of everywhere in the world. These industrial projects that we're talking about they, op they create opportunity to build giant projects that don't need a grid connection. So there's money that wants to build the generation and industries that want the solution. That's a, that's a moment for, as I said earlier, giant private capital flows to change our energy infrastructure. So, you know, I, I'm thrilled that we get to do this here, that it turns out what we start, the track we started down is working better and better. As we get down it, it's looking better and better than we thought when we started. You, you mentioned uh, one of the investors who said the, the main problem here is just the marketing and making sure people know about it. Are there other, what would you say is probably one of the more 
the bigger obstacles to overcome or maybe the frustration of like we got to get past this so we can kind of you know keep going down this path is it is it lack of capital is it lack of awareness is it is it the messaging is it lack of sort of resources and labor to put everything in place is it is it lack of support from you know uh government like what do you think is is the next thing that you would like to see smoothed out so more people can utilize this yeah you you touched on a lot of things and and you know we have a really well built up ecosystem in the world for using the fuels that have been the lowest cost right we have a really big ecosystem of engineering companies regulatory frameworks fuel distribution systems over time and we have industries that have moved to where fuel was cheap you know one of our advisors says why is all the heavy industry in britain on the coast well it was it was cheap to bring the coal right over time where it renewable energy is cheap we're going to see large-scale industries going there because energy is in some cases 50 60 percent of the total cost of producing some commodity but right now you're you're talking about the right now Every one of those things you mentioned, market education, the evolution of, a, of, a, of an ecosystem of folks who know how to permit, configure, build, operate, finance, all of this, that's needed. But it's, you know, there are pieces of all that exist right now, right? And that we're saying, look, the stuff that we're doing with wind and solar power today yay, here's an opportunity to go faster. Let's figure out how we go faster. Um, so there are lots of point pieces, but I wanna say there are also quite a number of governments, advisory organizations, uh, or we're a member of an organization called the Renewable Thermal Collaborative that exists specifically to bring industrial and commercial buyers who are looking for renewable heat together with policymakers and technology providers and think tank to, to really help. How do we help that market develop? Some of the same tools or approaches that enabled corporates to figure out how do we buy solar power at scale? How does Ikea or Microsoft buy electric power at scale? Some of those, the same ways that e ecosystem developed, that's going on right now. The, the thing that's farthest along for renewable heat actually is uh, using hydrogen as the source of that. That is, you can take electricity, you can make hydrogen, then burn the hydrogen. That works. Its biggest problem is it takes two units of electricity for one unit of heat. And what we're doing and everybody in this electric thermal storage, it's about one unit of electricity for one unit of heat. And for sure the rate limiting step in how fast we transform industrial heat is how fast can we build the wind and solar so what we're doing is actually an important piece of it the hydrogen technology has been around long enough that a ton of really well-intentioned government stuff from the united states inflation reduction act to what's going on in europe is driving hydrogen forward i think over the next couple of years those same folks getting electric thermal storage into some of those same regulatory and government giddy up is going to be hugely valuable and we're beginning to see that happen just to switch gears a little bit uh as a founder i'm very curious uh 
speaking with somebody who's been a founder more than a few times, how has uh, how has starting Rondo up been different than the first one or two ventures into this? Is is it the same? Is founding it the third or fourth time the same as the first time, or is it you're like, well, I've learned that the hard way? Like, how how would you characterize this time around? <laughs> well, <clears throat> uh, I might be a slow learner, but there are things I've learned. <laughs> But the, my lead investor, my first startup, took me to dinner at his club. He said, John, I invest in people, not technology. And I was an engineer, and I thought to myself in that moment, what's he talking about? It's technology that you know gives you the unfair advantage. And of course, you know, it is businesses are made of people. How who we are, how we work together um, is everything. And one of the things about starting up Ron, starting Rondo is I get to work with some of the most amazing people that I've worked with previously over the last 15 years. So we've gotten the band back together from folks who were doing material science and engineering and all kinds of things that gave us a huge advantage. And the other thing was that you know we knew in great detail what the market needed and the problem we were trying to solve because we'd been bashing away on not quite solving that problem for a long time. I mean, yeah, we delivered more than half the solar industrial heat that's running, but we just barely scratched the surface. So we found we were able to build something that solved all those problems, starting with these folks that who are phenomenal to work with. So we really had some unfair advantages here. Yeah. What's been the uh, most rewarding part uh, with Rondo so far? Uh, there's so much. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a great question. No, it's, I'm just like those are the so tough ones to so answer, much, honestly, like, aren't they? We we uh, you know we ha I have a dream team of investors. I think you know uh, Bill Gates's Breakthrough Energy. Do they do very deep diligence on technology? They do deep diligence on sectors. They select, you know, the thesis of Breakthrough Energy Ventures is we only invest in things that can deliver at least a billion tons of reduction a year if it works out. Uh, you know, we're, we think we can be doing 6 billion tons a year in 15 years. We can go much bigger than that. Um, and Energy Impact Partners, their decarbonization fund, EIP is backed by the, mostly by the North American electric power industry. and in electrify everything at scale, the electric power industry is right at the center of that. So we've had tremendous support there. Um, so having a team internally, having accomplished what we have, that is, we are right now, you know, we're gonna have some fun announcements in the first quarter, um, but having this team together with the support of, the, of these investors, it's just, like this has been my dream for a long time is to have this kind of alignment and uh and it's it's happening